wonderful to hear about the baptism next week. Really looking forward to it, Lincoln. And God bless you and the family as you do so. Welcome to the football capital of the United States. Bengals are three and one. University of Cincinnati, my goodness. And so it's uh, nice to be here in Cincinnati today. I'm going to ask Joe and Ruth to come up and read the scripture for us this morning. So they'll direct you to what scriptures are being read. And if you would uh, listen to them as they read the word of God. I'm reading from Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. Verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Next passage is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 6. It begins like this. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such in my name, one such child in my name, receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. May God bless the reading of his word this morning to our hearts and minds. I'd like to say again that this week, as I said last week, I asked Joe and Ruth to read the scripture not only as parents and grandparents, but also as past directors of Whitewater Bible Camp and their desire for children to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and to encourage them in their faith, and also the direction of Children's Evangelism Fellowship here in Cincinnati at this time as boys and girls are given the gospel in school settings, and we thank Joe and Ruth for the ministry that they're doing there. Thanks for the reading of the word. I'd like to preach about children in the family of God today. We have a series called All in the Family of God, and we're talking about children. Two weeks ago, I gave some teaching about children in the scripture. It was about God's design from creation that there would be children, God's declaration that the couple of Adam and Eve were to be fruitful and multiply. We have the development of the concept of children through the various births and lives of children that we have in the Old Testament. Then we have the ultimate child being born, the Lord Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God. And then through that child, there being deliverance from our sin by his death on the cross in our behalf. And then there's the dignity of being a child of God, who we are in that family and the position and privileges that we have. And then I preached for just a short while on the delight that God has in his children and those children being just as they are, Now, teaching is to impart knowledge, make explanation, give clarity of information 
I trust that that was done last week. Preaching is to motivate, even inspire the listeners to change their understandings and behaviors on a particular topic. May the Lord help me in my attempt to preach about children today here with you. The authority I have to preach on children comes from the two passages that we had read for us in Mark and Matthew. The Mark passage shows the earnest insistence from the Lord Jesus Christ to let little children, even infants, come to him for his touch and for his blessing. The Matthew passage is an open invitation by the Lord for all of us to consider what's special about a child and that child's ability to humbly believe. So let's consider children together today in our Bible hour time. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the place that children have in your mind, that the Lord Jesus Christ, it says as Ruth was reading to it, was indignant with the disciples. That word is an extremely strong word that's used there as the Lord reacts to the disciples trying to shoo little children and mothers holding infants in their arms away from the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus was insistent to bring children to him. Don't prevent children from coming to him. So, dear God, we know of your love and desire for children, and we thank you and praise you for it. Father, we thank you for the delight that you have in children. Thank you for the delight that you have in us as your children, that just the way we are at this time right now, you love us, you delight in us, you have great pleasure in us. May we have great pleasure in the children that you've blessed us with here at Northern Hills this morning. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm really saddened as uh, I start the sermon. I've got half the folks going to the other room. Cucamaga, this is bad, but uh, that's all right. The kids are gone, and so here we are, just us. Why does the Lord use children in his illustration about belief, faith, and receiving the kingdom? What is it about being humble like a child that leads to greatness in the kingdom of God? What is it about a child that not only for the child but also from the child the Lord is trying to get us to see and understand? Not just us relating to the child but the child then being used of God to teach us. That's what the Lord does with that child in the middle of the disciples. He says, now look at this child, think about it, contemplate about this child. And now, from that contemplation, you tell me, or you tell yourself, what it is that makes this child so special as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. That's what we're doing this morning. We're considering children. And I do want to thank my wife. My wife, I was talking with her about this uh, about a month ago, and she gave me a three-by-five card. And quite frankly, I use that as my guide for an awful lot. (laughs) As she shakes her head, no, Phil, please don't say that. that it really has guided my thoughts uh, as far as sharing today is concerned. We talked about the delight of a child last week. The child does not have to do anything to bring delight to us. Just being who they are, delights, smiles, and responses. A child can make grown men do things you would never dream that they would do in any other circumstance. This large, broad-shouldered, narrow-waisted fella, six foot four, voted athlete of the year for his football, basketball, and baseball prowess back in the early 1970s, now is blessed with a child. And there is Clark with little Karen. 
Go, 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 go. Oh, go, 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 go. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, dear, Karen. Oh. I mean, th- this is the guy that I admire as this sportsman. And there he is doing And then, may the Lord help us. He has a son. Oh, little clacky-wacky. <laughs> You'd never dream of a grown man doing those things, but there they are, delighting in that child. So let's talk about some other features of children and what they do for us. First of all, there's dependence by the child. The Lord says in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. The Lord Jesus is talking about the existence of the vine and the branches attached to the vine and the fruit that's brought in. Without the Lord and dependence upon him, nothing can be done as far as the branches are concerned. The life of a child is completely dependent on the love, care, planning, energy by those responsible for that child. We observe this in a child, particularly in a very young child, an infant. In the book of Luke, the passage that Ruth read to us from Mark, the parallel passage, Dr. Luke is very careful to draw our attention to the fact that there were infants in that crowd that were being brought to the Lord Jesus Christ for his touch and blessing upon them. There is a profound sense of responsibility that your mother and that mother and father have as they're holding their child, realizing that the life of this little child is completely dependent upon the parents for its existence. Now the child is unaware of this dependency. The child is just fully needy and responsive to our care for the child. A part of the reason that God has placed children in our family of faith here at Northern Hills Bible Chapel in this church is to give us this sensitivity to dependence upon the Lord. I hope you get that. The purpose of the children being here in the chapel is to teach us about our dependency upon the Lord. Truly, without me, you can do nothing, says the Lord, to we adults. In every single breath, The experience of seeing both my parents die was a profound one. My father, late at night, here in the old Provident Hospital, and his chest going up and down, labored in breathing. And it going up and going down for one final time. And it occurred to me at that moment, God knew exactly the number of breaths that my dad would draw. The same thing with my mother in the emergency room following a massive event that took place in her brain and watching her die, expire. How glad I was for Amy and Nathan being with me there in the emergency room. But I watched my mother draw her last breath. Without me, you can do nothing. You and I are dependent upon the Lord for every breath that we breathe today. Every heartbeat. I had the privilege of teaching under the principalship of a dynamic young man, Roger Slagle. 39 years old, young for a principal, but full of leadership capacity and authority and winsomeness. Humor, intelligence, foresight. And our first year with Roger was just wonderful. 
a grand and glorious experience, and then the fall of the second year after Roger got in his feet in the ground. And on Sunday, coming back from church in early October, I got a call from the principal of the high school. Phil, it's Chris. I've got some news for you. And what I thought Chris was going to tell me is that the superintendent, who had stage four cancer, had died. But instead, the words came out of his mouth, Roger Slagle died this morning. Roger. Roger. Playing touch football with a league from his church on that Sunday morning. They would do it before they got to Sunday school. Roger had just caught a long pass from the quarterback, had run and run and run, caught the pass. It was just remarkable. Caught it, rolled over, had the ball in his hand triumphantly, walked back to the huddle. It was touch football. And as he walked back to the huddle, he grabbed here and fell over. And before he was hitting the ground, he was dead. The autopsy that was performed showed Roger Slagle, 39 years old, had the circulatory system of a 90-year-old person. It was genetic. Someone that was walking around with that condition could die at any moment, which is what happened in that last heartbeat by Roger Slagle. Every breath, every heartbeat, we are dependent upon the Lord every moment We just thought about the 20th anniversary of the Twin Towers in New York City being attacked, catching fire, and then crashing to the ground. And those nearly 3,000 people that day going to a routine day's work, having a routine day's work on the job as a policeman or as a fireman. And their lives are wiped away. Every breath, every heartbeat, every moment, we are dependent upon the Lord physically. Now, if that's true physically, how much more are we dependent upon the Lord spiritually? We cannot save ourselves. We have no resources to move ourselves from death to life spiritually. We are fully, wholly, completely dependent upon God's love, grace, mercy for our salvation. Why do we think that so often Scripture refers to us as the children of God? Even the little children. It's there so that we are taught of our complete dependency upon God for our spiritual lives. These little children that are here in our midst, especially the young ones that we hold in our arms like this, that's what they're teaching us. Without me, you can do nothing. See, the Lord puts that child in the middle of the disciples and says, now I want you to consider that child. And this morning, I want us to consider the children that we have here. And to think about the massive independence that I have from the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as my actions and attitudes, extremely self-sufficient, very self-reliant. Why, it's American. How unpatriotic can you get by not saying that you had the power and authority 
to reach from your own resources and improve your life and the quality of that life. Dear believer, that's not true. We are dependent upon the Lord and children are seeking to teach us that. That's why we have children here in our midst. Children are a delight. They are dependent. And then we go down to their level, stooping to the level of a child, humbling ourselves. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In the example of the Lord with those disciples, he puts the child in the middle of them and says, Now consider the humbleness, the humility of this child. The Lord uses the child's humbleness as something to be contemplated by those disciples and by us. Think of that child. There's no list of degrees behind its name, his name or her name. No accomplishments. No income level. No political, economic, or military power in the possession or to be executed by that child. The child is at knee level. The child is low in stature, low in abilities, and low in achievement. To enter into the kingdom of God from our sin And to be part of the family of God, we must become like that child in our humility, in our humbleness. We must admit that we are hopeless and helpless before the power and authority of the holy God who has every right to consume us and to exclude us from our presence for all eternity in a place called hell. We must reach out like a child in faith, believing that God will pick us up in his arms and save us from our sin. You've all seen it. The child on the floor, especially the little tiny child that's now becoming self-aware of its ability to crawl and move. But when it wants to be raised by that parent, it reaches up its arms and just waits, waits, waits for that adoring mother or father to pick it up. They have no ability to be raised up on their own. They are humble. No merit, no accomplishment, No income level, no power of any kind will ever bring me into a place of righteousness before the holy God. It is only childlike faith that brings us into the family of God. A handsome young executive came into our building over 40 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. Well-dressed, a beautiful young wife, three lovely children, and I was taking Lee upstairs to show him the nursery and the primary class facilities up there. Lee, a young millionaire in his late 30s, early 40s. And he was very confident of himself as far as him being a Christian And we had a series of classes in the evening at that time. 
The way Lee made his money was he advised doctors. His father had done it before him, and now Lee had become a master at doing it himself. And he managed their finances for them, buying and selling stocks, buying and selling land, making various investments, and through those shrewd, clever, and thoughtful ways of managing money, Lee had made himself very wealthy. But in that class that evening, Lee, in full confidence, thinking to himself, I've been in church all my life. I've been to church every Sunday with my parents, for goodness sakes. I'm a Christian. I know what's going on. I know the stories. I know the lingo. But that night, the teacher, his name was Bernard Ferguson, he talked to Lee afterwards and he said, Lee, before God, have you ever felt like you are completely bankrupt? And that hit Lee like a thunderbolt because... Just that week, he was going through the bankruptcy procedure with two doctors who had been financially well set, but now they were bereft of almost every single possession because of the foolishness of what they had done with their lives. Lee, have you ever felt bankrupt before God? And it dawned on this millionaire of his inability to do anything in God's sight to earn merit, but rather he had nothing to bring to God. He was completely humbled in his own opinion of himself and his relationship with God. And so Lee Scroggins became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith in him. And God says to us by looking at little children, that's how you must be toward me. Don't bring anything to me. Do what the Billy Graham hymn says, just as I am, without one plea. Come before me for salvation. Now the same is true as far as our dependence, not only to get into the family of God, but once we're in the family of God. Our lives are still lived by faith, dependence, humbly leaning on God for our salvation to encourage, direct, and lead us to accomplish His will for his glory and praise. If we are longing to be great in God's kingdom, we must become humble and the servant of all, like a little child. Jesus told his disciples to contemplate the child in their midst if they hoped to be great in his kingdom. But the Lord knew the kingdom was not coming at that particular time. There's going to be a delay. But there is intervening the time of the Lord's first time here in the earth and his second time to come back to the earth, the church. And the same principle applies here. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Dear ones, we're on the floor before the Lord and we're just doing this. And we're begging for our Father to lift us up. See, and the little children here in our midst... They're teaching us that. To relate to a child, one must move down to their level of interest and engagement. We move down to where they are. We play in the floor with infants and toddlers. We go to the coffee table level with three through six-year-olds. I cannot tell you the hours of Incredibles 
Elsa and Anna, Toy Story, Mary, Joseph, Baby Jesus, the shepherds, the wise men, the animals, PJ masks, magnetile buildings. Heather and I have logged at our coffee table in the front room with Lexi. We bought a coffee table. We didn't have one for years. We got Lexi uh, as part of our care. And so we got a coffee table with folding legs because I thought it would be underneath a sofa most of the time. It's always out. (laughs) And we're always playing. Daily, the adventure of pretend. I'm Jesse and Bo. You're... Your Woody and your Buzz. Now let's make a castle for Elsa and for rooms for Sven and Kristoff and Olaf and Waternock and all the characters. Let's prend. Let's prend. Come on, Grandpa. Let's prend. Let's pretend, see. And that's me relating to a child. Dear ones, that's God relating to us. Did you pay attention to the Philippians 2 chapter? didn't think it was robbery to be called equal with God. He was God's equal completely. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune God, each one fully God, not dependent upon the other, but absolutely in relationship with one another. And yet the second person of that Trinity humbled himself, took upon him the form of a servant, being fashioned as a man. He became obedient unto death, even the death. That's God relating to me and to you at the coffee table level, and playing the ridiculous games that you and I play day after day after day, enjoying just being with his children. And our children here in our midst teach us that. Please don't lose the opportunity to learn what God has to say to you as you play with your child or your grandchildren at their level. You see, God's doing the very same thing with you and me. Today, we move to relate to a child at their level and to learn from that child. We learn the wonder of imagination, the pleasure of play, the suspension of all rules of gravity, time, and physical laws, the joy of their creativity, the thrill of suspension of belief, to see a wider world than the one we inhabit. It's the gift of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis brings us into the world of Narnia where there are talking animals and satyrs and fawns and cenotaurs and an evil white witch bringing disaster to that beautiful land of Narnia so it's continually winter and Christmas never comes. But then the great savior lion Aslan comes in and the snow melts and The joy of life returns to that beautiful place all because Aslan is on the move. It is C.S. Lewis's gift to bring a child's knowledge to us. But you see, dear ones, it's the gift of the child to bring their imagination to us that we have, for the most part, lost. Tell me about your picture, sweetheart. That is you. And that's grandma. And that's me. 
And I am looking at four blobs of paint that could absolutely have no resemblance, except maybe the blob part. (laughs) But you see, in her imagination, she sees it all and can tell me about it and describe it and then go on into the adventures that are taking place in that little 9 by 12 piece of paper that she's smudged on with her paints or crayons. And that's true for your kids as well. Because God has given them the ability to help us imagine things that we in our adulthood could never see. And that is what God is doing for us. To see a wider eternity that our children can bring to mind. Because God says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store, that God has prepared for us in the eternity to come. Enter into the imagination of our children and just start to see what it is that God has planned for us in the heaven to come. That's what a child does for us here at Northern Hills. We have delight in a child, dependence of a child, down to a child's level. And then a word I've really never used, delication. Have you guys heard that word? D-E-L-E-C-A-T-I-O-N. Joy, rapture, and wonderment. Delication. The thrill and awe of wonder with expressed excitement. We're going to have meatballs for lunch. We're going to have meatballs for lunch. That's my granddaughter. Meatballs, Lexi. (laughs) It's just wonderful for her. I can remember seeing Graham Martin now. The UPBCers aren't here. That's Jeff Martin's grandson I'm talking about, or grandchildren. Little children in line, jumping up and down. And the little girl, she must have been three, maybe three and a half years old. Oh boy, scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs. There was no such response by the men at breakfast yesterday for the men's breakfast. Just the awe and wonder of extraordinarily ordinary things. I remember Josh and Nathan at ages five and three at a Madeira football game. We arrived a little bit late. So we got into the stands and there was a particular play that happened on the field. I think it was a long pass play and everyone in the stands was just going wild. And there's my little three and five year old with absolutely no idea of why they were doing it. But they were going, yeah, just just going as wild as could be in response to the excitement that they saw around them. Everyone here knows what I'm speaking about from your own memories or your own observations of your children or grandchildren. Experiences for a child are new, marvelous, special, not routine, not boring. They are excited and awed by the ordinary for us. For them... It's extraordinary, and they express it in their voices, their bodies, and their emotions. Listen to these new things, dear ones. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings, 
And he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, I can't go over that psalm in Psalm 40 and not relate to you the events of that. You see, from this pulpit, a dentist named Dr. Dave Zimmerman sang this beautiful tenor song. Dave had a beautiful tenor voice. Owen Hoffman was the evangelist that we had here. He was a children's worker, did object lessons. And so Dave, the previous year, had been brought to the Friday night session, the the rally night that Owen Hoffman would have. The kids would get extra points if they brought their parents. And so here was Dave buying his two packs of Little King's Cream Ale over at the Pony Keg near where I live. And who should drive in to buy a gallon of milk but Betty McGee? And Dave was trying his best to hide things (laughs) down inside the bag. And so Betty said, Dave, we'll see you at the chapel tonight. (laughs) But he came. He heard the gospel. Now the gospel presentation Owen had that night, it was on the rapture. And you had six figures that were there. There were uh, two, uh, a mother and a daughter at a mill, and then there was a doctor and a nurse at an office, and there was a secretary and a businessman, and they were little dolls. And you have to see Owen to do this, to realize what he did. The lights are all on. And then he says, and then the Lord, and then! (laughs) Those that know him, and then the Lord comes! He returns! Just like that! And he pulls the string, and each one of the dolls had a string attached to it. And Dave says he's watching it, and of course, as this happens, all the lights go off, and the black light comes on, and the shimmering of the background. And Dave's watching, and he says, I watched that doctor and the nurse. The nurse went up to heaven, and the doctor stayed there. (laughs) And he said, I thought about me and my dental assistant. And Dave, so often at the Lord's Supper, would quote this psalm. And he never got tired of it. I was in a horrible pit, in the miry clay. But God has now brought me out of that place and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and put a new song into my heart, even praise unto our God. And he sang that solo here and then Owen Hoffman got up and said, Brother Dave, could you have sung that song last year? No, Owen, I could not. It's new and it's wonderful. Therefore, buried by him, with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also should walk in newness of life. But now we are delivered from the law, being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us. This is what a child does for us in our family of God here at Northern Hills. It helps us see the wonder, the thrill, the awe of our new experiences. That's what Carl Broman tried to do for us about a month ago at the Lord's Supper. Do you see our octogenarian coming up here? 
And he's speaking about the wonder of his salvation and his sins forgiven. And he says, that makes me want to say hallelujah. And so he repeated it. Hallelujah. And there was a third time. And Carl almost yelled, hallelujah. He was trying to get us to enter into the wonder of sins forgiven and a new life in Jesus Christ. Have I gotten so old? Have I gotten so used to? Have I gotten so bored with the spiritual newness of my eternal life in Jesus Christ that I am yawning my way through my spiritual life? and not learning the wonder of being a child of God and the thrill of my salvation in Him. Let's make sure we learn that from the children here at Northern Hills. We have the delight of a child, the dependence of a child. We have going down to a child's level. We have the delication, the joy, the wonderment. Then we have the development that's in a child, learning and growth. Here's a passage from Second Timothy. Continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. First Peter chapter one. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being Sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Be not conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but be ye holy, for I am holy. And in 3 John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Let me give you just a quick outline of learning stages and development that I'll draw from my own experience with my children. Help me, Daddy! Help me, Daddy! Says the little toddler to his father. Daddy! Daddy! Those clouds, they're moving! Says a little four-year-old boy seated in the seat, watching the clouds as we drive along. Dad! What do you know about the Revolutionary War? Were you in it? Says the seventh grader to his, uh, about his American history class. Dad, you don't know, says the high school son to his father about anything being talked about at the time. Dad, what did you do when we acted like that, says the young father with the two children fighting over the same toy. Amazing arc of learning and growth. There is a marvel and a wonder when we watch the growth and learning process of a child. Their first words, first sentences, printing their name, learning to ride a bike, learning to read their first book on their own, learning the times tables, the first project for school, first in sports and other activities, the first driver's license, All of these steps in growing and maturing and learning from infant to child, child to adolescent, adolescent to young adult, young adult to mature, responsible adulthood. 
this process of wonderment in learning things about ourselves, about others, about information and how to get information through sources and experience are all a part of the childhood experience. Being a child is the process of learning and growing. Let me say that again. Being a child is the process of learning and growing. The reason for having children in our family of faith is that we are taught by them that all of us are learning and growing no matter how old we are chronologically. God still calls us his children. I'm a child of God today. And I'm learning and growing. I'm in the process of learning and growing right now. I've asked for your help here at Northern Hills through your prayers for me as I'm going through a growing time in my life through the circumstances in which I and we find ourselves at Northern Hills. I want to thank so many of you for your words of encouragement, prayers, and practical acts taken to express your care and concern for me. COVID and its consequences for the way in which we have met over the past 18 months, the loss of several young couples and their children, the serious illnesses of several of our family of faith, the death of Carolyn Boyette, the tensions of different points of view in the leadership have all contributed to the grief and pain I'm experiencing at this time in my life. This is not a crisis of faith. I am certain of my salvation and my eternal home. Christ's blood makes me safe and his word makes me sure. It is not a paralysis of ministry. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to minister in the assembly in various ways. I'm in pain. I'm experiencing grief. I share this with you as an elder in the assembly. I'm hurting. The balm of the great physician is being applied to my heart and soul. The care and love of various ones in the assembly is being experienced. This is me learning about something new in my life. How the Lord wants to help me through the pain, live for him in his glory, for the praise of his name. Thank you for your prayers. I don't keep this story for myself. As I look at you, you all are experiencing, if not the same or similar circumstances, different sets of circumstances that God is seeking to use in your lives to help you understand that you're growing and learning. Having children in our family of God here at Northern Hills is to help us that no matter how old we are, how successful we might be professionally, how accomplished we are we are academically, how popular we are, how active we are, we are works in progress growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2. We've all heard Joe Perriel give his great message on the masterpiece that God is working on. I've alluded to the 
prisoners that are pictured in the museum where Michelangelo was working on various projects to free from that marble these various sculptures they had stopped in midpoint because they were no longer worked on by Michelangelo. He had died. Sculptures were not completed. And to watch videos of sculptures as they take that hard chisel and bang off and hit off. And then I didn't realize just how extensive. In making those sculptures, you then take a rasp and you rub it along there to make it smoother. And then you take finer and finer types of grit to go along there. And finally, you take an acid bath that goes along the features and then emerges from that this beautiful, lifelike sculpture that the brilliance of someone like Michelangelo or Bernini are able to perform. God's working on us. We are His workmanship, and it's hard and painful and difficult at times. But it's a process we're going through when we look at the child, see, and we see how they're growing and developing, and sometimes we see with pain the experiences that they go through. And God the Father looks at us as his children and he sees the pain and difficulty we're going through. But he has children in our midst to remind us that, yeah, you're still growing. Yeah, Phil, you may be 73 in December, but man, you're a child. And you need to grow. And here's how you're going to grow. I have spent 18 long months with this group. And now I'm writing them another letter. They've tried to make improvements, but I've got people in this group that are still accusing me that I'm not an apostle, that they have super apostles in their midst. And now I must write to the people of Corinth again. And on top of that, I have this pain. And God, you know of it. I've come to you twice. And I've asked for this to be removed, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger from Satan. Dear God, I'm asking you the third time, remove it from me. And in the quietness of that request, Paul gets this word from God. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let me make it personal. In Paul's case, Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What childlike learning does God have for us in this year to come? There's a masterpiece that he's seeking to make in your life and my life for his glory and praise. Let the wonder and adventure of new learning be our childlike experience in the months and years to come. God has children in our family of faith. These are just a few of the reasons why they're here. You all, in conference with the Lord, you can come up with other reasons why you have children in your family, why you have children in the family of faith, why God has brought them to you for His purposes. It's so that 
we'll get things from them that we can't get from anywhere else. Let's treasure our children that we have in the family of God. Now in the next two weeks, Lord willing, we'll have examples of uh, poor examples of children and good examples of children from the Scripture. That will be brought to us by Evan and by Abe. Then we're going to have a panel discussion by some parents. As we have this panel discussion and the questions that are brought to them, I want to make sure you know that I haven't brought the experts up here. I think some of the parents are feeling like, you mean we have to have all the answers? (laughs) No, we're going to discover together. So as we're here at the Bible Hour time, we're going to be having that time of discussion and sharing together. May God bless that in three weeks. Let's pray, please. Father, we thank you for this time of sharing, for this time of being in the Word of God, for this time of seeking to learn from children the lessons that you have for us in them and through them. And then, dear Lord, give us willing hearts and willing minds to minister to these children. There are children here in our midst that are strangers to the grace of God. Help us to introduce Jesus Christ to them by our lives and by our lips. And dear Lord, we rejoice in this announcement that Lincoln wants to be baptized. Watch over this young man, we pray. Make it just a special day for him as he announces his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and wants to let everyone know it through through baptism. Commit the afternoon and evening to you. Thank you for all that we have in the Lord Jesus and pray in his name. Amen.